Hey everyone, welcome again to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian and I pastor that location and it's good to talk to you today. How do you deal with transition in your life? I think transition often breeds uncertainty. How do you deal with it when you're moving from one thing to another? This week we start a new discussion in a book of the Bible called Joshua. And we watch as a group of people walk through a transition. And we answer the question as to how we should deal with transition in our own life. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you listen closely. Because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. This morning, I'm excited because we start a new series, and we start a series in a story that is one of my personal favorites, and one I really enjoy. And we're going to talk about this story between now and Easter. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be in the story of Joshua. And if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to the book of Joshua. It, uh, it starts, uh, the Bible starts with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then it's Joshua. So you go to the sixth book of the Bible. If you go in the Old Testament uh, table of contents, you'll find it pretty quick as you look down. You could turn there because we're going to be right in the beginning. And if you listen to the words of the song that our music team just played, uh, which I think was an original song uh, from Lynn Breitenbach, which is great, uh, the words are perfect. All those words, many of those words you just heard came right out of the book of Joshua about who, choosing who you're going to serve and crossing the river Uh, to see the promised land. We're going to get into all of that, and it's all good stuff. Before we get there, I want you to think about something with me, and that is this. Transitions in life, transitions in life breed uncertainty, don't they? Transition, moving from one thing to another, finding out new information, having to change the course of your life, Uh, Moving from one place, uh, one school to another, moving from one job to another. Transition just has a way of breeding uncertainty. Even if it feels like a good transition, there is still the stress of what's going to happen and how is this going to go. Even if it's a transition we're excited about, there's still this uncertainty that comes in a time of transition, isn't there? I think we see this uh, transition sometimes in movies. We see this happen in movies. If, if you have a TV show or a movie where one person's been a leader for a long time, and then they're suddenly gone and someone new has to take over, you see that happen. It's like the time, maybe you remember in episode three, A New Hope, when Obi-Wan Kenobi allows himself to be killed by Darth Vader. Anyone else on the same page with me? I remember this. And a young Luke Skywalker is standing there wondering what's going to happen next. Transitions just breed uncertainty. And maybe you can think of a story like this uh, for your favorite TV show or, or movie. A time where there's just a transition and you wonder what is going to happen next. September 23rd, 2001, the New England Patriots were quarterbacked by an all pro Uh, Pro Bowl quarterback who had led them to the 1996 Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that game, he was hit going out of bounds and could not continue. And so there's a moment of uncertainty. This is the one man who has led our team for the last number of seasons. What in the world is going to happen next? Considering we only have this sixth round nobody sitting on the bench, right? It turned out okay. The spoiler alert turned out all right. But there's that moment of uncertainty. What is going to happen? And it's like that in your life too. There are moments when something happens, the, what, the job is gone, 
the loved one is gone. The course that you thought your life was going to take is now different because of what a doctor said or what a boss said or what a teacher said. You had a dream for your child and they're going a different direction. All sorts of things in our life that create moments of transition. And transition has a way of breeding uncertainty. And when we're in those moments, it can be difficult to know what to do. And so here's the question I want us to think about together for the next few moments. What do you do in your life when what is good is gone? How do you respond to that? What do you do in life when what is good is gone? How do you move forward when something that is good, the school that you liked, the job that you liked, the person that you liked, your well-being, your dreams, your hopes, what do you do when what is good is gone? When something that you love, when something that is, that is a positive thing in your life is taken away, how do you move forward? Now, all of us have been there, right? You've been there and I've been there. When something that we're used to, something that we are comfortable with, something that we like is taken away from us and things start to shift and transition Life gets uncertain and we get worried. What are we supposed to do in those moments? How do we handle that time? You know, as we come to the book of Joshua this morning, we find Joshua and the people of Israel in one of those moments. They're in a moment of huge transition. In fact, I'm not even sure that we can fully appreciate the level of transition that they're in right now. Because the way that their leadership worked in their context uh, was much different than the way our leadership would work today. We get nervous when leadership changes hands. We get worried and uncertain when leadership changes hands. And we do it every four or eight years in our culture, in our context. And it makes us uncertain and worried when that happens. But for the people of Israel, they were experiencing a leadership change. They're going through a transition. They're going through an uncertainty. And it's something that only happens in, once in a generation, in their context. So what do you do when what is good is gone? The book of Joshua begins with five words that I think are, are significant. Words that we need to think through if we're going to really understand what's happening in the life of the people. We're coming to the people at about 1500 BC, approximately, somewhere between 1500 and 1400 BC. Maybe you remember the story with me that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. Do you remember this story? The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and then God sent a man to lead them out of Egypt. You remember the 10 plagues? Even if you're someone that doesn't attend church that often, maybe you're familiar with this story that God sends a man to go, and he tells Pharaoh to let God's people go, and Pharaoh says no, and so there's 10 plagues that happen. And the name of this man that leads God's people out of Egypt is what? What's his name? Moses, right? So Moses leads God's people out of Egypt, and, and then for the next 40 years... For the next 40 years, he is in charge of the people as they wander through the wilderness between slavery in Egypt and a land that God has promised his people. 
There's a whole lot that happens in there that we're, we just don't have time to get into this morning. And as we go through the book of Joshua, we'll talk a whole lot more about this idea of the promised land. But today we just are talking about this transition where the people came out of Egypt from slavery, led by Moses, and they watched Moses. Now think about just if you... Uh, know anything about this time period in this story, even if you don't feel like you know the Bible well, my guess is you know some of these stories. God speaks through Moses to the people. That's how God communicates to his people, is through Moses. He speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to Aaron, and Aaron speaks to the people, if you know the story. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. The people watch the presence of God time and time again descend, and it's Moses who goes in and talks to God. If they needed to know what to do or where to go or what God was saying, they went to one person to find out, and that person was Moses. All the other leaders that were around, the other people that were in charge, they all looked to Moses to find out what in the world they were supposed to do. And all the people had known, and all an entire generation that was born in the wilderness knew, was the leadership and the person Of Moses. Now we come to the beginning of this book of Joshua, and it starts with these five words After the death of Moses, after the death of Moses, I think for the people we're talking about this morning, for the Israelites, it's probably difficult to judge just how significant those words were and are. The impact that that would have had for their leader. In fact, the generation that came out of slavery in Egypt all passed away in the wilderness, except for just a couple, Joshua and Caleb. So this entire generation was brought out of slavery in Egypt by Moses They all pass away in the wilderness. That means everyone who is making up the Israelite population right now, aside from two people, only know Moses as their leader. And now Moses is gone. And I think we learned two things from this, just in these five words. One is these people are in a significant moment of transition. You've been there and I've been there too. When the person passes away too soon, when the job ends unexpectedly, when there's not enough finances to continue living the way that you were before, when you pack up and move across the country to follow a dream or a job, we understand what it's like to be in these moments of big transition and what it feels like. And here's where the people are too. They're nomadic people. They have no land to call their own. They're traveling around in the wilderness with Moses as their leader, and now he's gone. And so the first thing we know about these people is they are in a huge moment of uncertainty, a huge moment of transition. The second thing I think we learn just from these words is that life goes on. After the death of Moses, and how many of us have experienced that? That word after just indicates that things are going to continue, that life is going to keep rolling on. Whether the Israelites like it or not, things are going to continue to happen. And how many of us have been in that place when life just hits us and we're in a moment of uncertainty, when we're not sure life is going to continue and it just keeps going on even if it feels like it's without us? That's where the Israelites are. And so the big question is, 
what are they going to do? How will the Israelites respond? And more importantly, how will their new leader, Joshua, respond to this moment of transition? How would Joshua respond to the reality that what was good, Moses' leadership, is now gone? And how do we respond in our lives to the reality when what is good is gone? Let's read through verse 3 of chapter 1. We'll talk about that for a little bit. Chapter 1, verse 1, this is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. I'm sure just those words. You imagine the butterflies in Joshua's stomach. He knew he was the second guy, but now it's real. The panic, the challenge that lies ahead of him. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan. That's a river. You and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised to Moses. There was this area that I I told you in the coming weeks we're going to talk about more, a land that God had promised to his people. And God is speaking to Joshua and saying, listen, Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is gone. What's good is gone. But I still expect you now as the leader to go and to lead these people into the land that I've promised them. Go over the Jordan River, through the Jordan River, they'll go, and step into the promise that I have given to my people. Now, here's the challenge for Joshua. That all sounds so easy when you're reading it thousands of years later, but put yourself in the moment. The one person that you've looked up to and followed, the person that you've been the assistant to is now gone. Now you're in charge and all of a sudden hundreds of thousands of people are looking to you. You're the one that's supposed to do everything and everything's uncertain. You're not quite sure if you cross this Jordan River and go into the land, that means huge military conquest. It doesn't mean just go and and stake a claim and then it's yours. There are people living there. And Joshua has this massive task now of saying, am I actually going to follow through with this plan? Am I going to do this? Am I going to take all of these people that have been living in the wilderness for decades and now somehow form them into some sort of band of people that is going to take over settled civilization in this area that God tells us is ours? Be easier probably just to keep wandering around, wouldn't it? We're all used to it. So Joshua has this in front of him. And just in these first three verses, something emerges. Joshua is now the leader. Joshua is now the leader. And he's been prepared for this for quite a while. This is not something new. In fact, if we were to flip backwards to some of those first five books that I mentioned earlier, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we would see Joshua has been being prepared for this. This was not just God picking Joshua out of the crowd and saying, all right, Moses is gone. Uh, I need you, Joshua. You're going to be in charge. Joshua has been prepared for this moment. In fact, if we were to flip back to Exodus chapter 17, we would meet Joshua for the first time. And Joshua is chosen by Moses to lead a military battle. 
And so he goes against a group called the Amalekites. And maybe if you went through Sunday school, you remember the story? Moses had to raise his arms. And when he raised his arms, the people were winning. And, and a couple men held up his arms so that the people would win. Joshua leads that battle. But after the battle is over, God makes it clear to Joshua that this is his battle and not Joshua's battle. Right away, he makes it clear, right after he speaks to him, and he says, just so you know, in fact, he tells Moses, whisper this in Joshua's ear. I'm the one who is going to rid the Amalekites from the earth. Just so right at the beginning, Joshua doesn't get confused whether he won that battle or God did. As you continue to look through the stories, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, remember that story? Did you know Joshua traveled with him? And when Moses would go into what was called the tent of meeting and would hear God's voice speak to God face to face is the way the Old Testament says it, Moses would leave that meeting and go back to his tent, the Bible says, close his tent with only Joshua in it and speak just to Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 31, God commissions Joshua in front of the people and says, one day Moses isn't going to be here. I've selected Joshua to be in charge. And so right in these first three verses and seeing all that happened before, we know this, that Joshua is the leader. But there's another thing we realize in these first few verses. Joshua is the leader, but Joshua is not in charge. Joshua is the leader here, but Joshua is not in charge. There's one person calling the shots in these first three verses, and it is God himself. Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now take my people and lead them through the Jordan to the land that I have promised to them. Joshua might be the leader. Joshua might get to make some decisions here, but right away, God establishes the same thing he established when Joshua won the battle way back in Exodus chapter 17, that even though Joshua might be the leader and the people are going to look to him, it is God who is in control. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. As you walk through moments of transition and uncertainty in your own life, where what is good in your life is now gone, where what was stable and easy and helpful has now moved away, and you find yourself in a moment in uncertainty and transition and wondering how you're going to get through, I want you to hear this this morning, that when what is good is gone in your life, you need to remember that who is in charge hasn't changed. When what is good is gone in your life, who is in charge has not changed. And I think this means two things for us as followers of Jesus Christ. One is it means that even through the difficulty and the uncertainty and the worry, even as you wonder what is going to happen and how in the world you're going to get from where you are to where it is that you need to be, it means that God is still in control of that situation 
It means that God is walking with you. It means that whatever promises you've read in this book that God has given to you, whatever God has said to you in your life prior to this thing happening and prior from the good thing going away, none of that changes because something in the world has happened. I think sometimes this world goes up and it goes down and it's, it's a little bit of a roller coaster and we all of a sudden in our minds start to think that maybe God's promises change. Maybe who God is changes because the way the world changes, but the reality is that no matter what happens in this world, no, what, no matter what happens in your life, God and what he has said never changes. And the reality that God had promised this land to his people, it doesn't matter if Moses is in charge or Joshua is in charge or someone else is in charge. That promise is steady and firm in their life. And God is still in control. So even when something good is gone and Moses is taken away, who's in charge of all of this? Who's leading? Hasn't changed. And that means for Joshua, he can step into God's promises with confidence. That means for you, you can step into God's promises with confidence. No matter what it looks like today, if God has told you to do something or God is calling you to do something and we recognize that no matter what's happening in our lives, he is still in control, then we step with confidence into his promise. What does that look like? It looks like continuing to do what he's told us to do regardless of the circumstances. Continuing to be obedient to what God asks us to do no matter how life is going. You see, I think transitions and uncertainty open an opportunity in our hearts and in our life to walk away and do our own thing because we get worried and we get scared. And we say to God, you know what? I'm going to take charge. I'm going to go do my own thing. And what that looks like is we start to disobey what God has asked us to do, the way he's asked us to live, and nothing like uncertainty or transition in our life opens up the door to go ahead and just walk our own way and walk away. As long as life is good, we'll do what God asks us to do. We'll obey his commands. Life is good. But when what's good is gone, it opens up this door where we have an opportunity to go our own direction. But when you remember that God is in charge, that that has not changed, and that his promises are sure no matter what happens in this life, then in the worry and the uncertainty, we continue to step forward with confidence, obeying God even when it doesn't make sense, doing what he's asking us to do even when it's difficult. I think that a lot of people that don't follow uh, God or don't believe in Jesus look at Christians who live a certain lifestyle in spite of the way the world is as somewhat crazy and, and, and just they've lost it. They, they're not relevant. They're, they're backwards. But it's not being backwards, I would suggest to you. It's not that I feel like I've lost my way and, and I'm living this irrelevant life. I'm trying my best to be obedient to God's commands no matter what happens in this world because I believe no matter what happens to this world, who's in charge hasn't changed. And so my behavior isn't reactionary to this world. It's reactionary to the God who is in control. And for some of us sitting in the room this morning, we've allowed those places in our lives, those moments of transition, to be the places where we step away and do our own thing. 
And maybe today would be a reminder God would be speaking to you, asking you to trust him even in the uncertainty and continue to live the life he's calling you to lead because his promises and his love for you have not changed. I think Jesus understood this really well. Jesus understood that no matter what was happening in the world, uh, that who was in charge of it all hadn't changed. You know, I believe Jesus came to this earth with a mission. He knew why he was here. He was sent here by his father, by God, to come down to this earth, to live a perfect life, to begin the kingdom on this earth, to die and to be raised again. He had this, this, uh, this plan that was his when he came down to this earth. And then on the earth, though, there's all these other factors that would, that would try to take away from that, the religious leaders or the Roman leaders of the time. And there's this moment in Jesus' life, right before he goes to the cross, where he makes it absolutely clear that no matter what's happening in this world, he's going to continue to follow God because he knows God is the one who's in control. If you remember the story, if you saw the passion of the Christ, you remember there's a, a man named Pilate who was a Roman official. And there's this moment where Pilate actually tries to get Jesus released so that he doesn't have to be crucified. And he brings Jesus out to the people because it was the custom that, that once a year they would release a prisoner back to the people. And he brings Jesus out alongside another man named Barabbas who was a terrible criminal. And he says to the people, who should I release? Should I release Jesus or Barabbas? And they all cry for Barabbas. And so Barabbas gets released and Jesus is standing in front of Pilate. And Pilate looks at him and he says, where are you from? And Jesus says nothing. You can imagine, I guess, uh, the power that someone who was an official in the Roman government and the Roman Empire wielded and felt. When you spoke to somebody, they spoke back to you. So he says to Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus says, nothing. And he said to Jesus, do you realize that I have the power and the authority to release you? Do you realize I hold, my, I hold your life in my hands, he's basically saying? And Jesus looked at him and says this. John chapter 19, verse 11, he says, Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over, over me at all unless it had been given you from above. You would have no authority over me at all unless you'd been given it from above. What is Jesus saying to Pilate? Oh, you thought because you're part of the government that controls the entire known region that you were in charge of whether or not I lived or died? You thought that because you're a big, a big political leader that somehow you were the one that was ultimately in charge of this plan, this, this, this reason why I'm here on this earth. And Jesus looks back to him very clearly says, no, 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 it, it doesn't really matter what you do or don't do, Pilate. There's something much bigger at work here. You see, God is in control. And the reason you have authority over my life right now is because God has given it to you, not because you're who you think you are. And in that moment, Jesus makes it very clear. His Going to the cross was a big moment of transition. Here he'd been with his disciples for three years. 
It was good. And now all of that was gone. But Jesus knows who's in charge hasn't changed. The one who's controlling it all still sits on the throne. And the same thing is true here in the book of Joshua as we begin. That the reason, as we're going to see, these people can step boldly into God's promises is because even though there's been a significant shift, a significant transition, a significant change in their lives, who's in charge has not changed and his promises are true. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we close this morning. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to think about this with me for just a moment. And maybe you'd be willing just to bow your heads and close your eyes for one moment. Because I want to ask you, and I'd ask you to think about it. Where in your life this morning are you tempted to take control and charge away from God? Where in your life are things uncertain? Where in your life are the things that at one time seemed so good, now gone. I want to remind you this morning that the God who created this world, the God who created you, and the God who loves you is still in control. And if you will allow him, he will lead you even through the difficult transition. He will lead you through the uneasiness. He will lead you through the worry. And you can have a hope that does not exist on this earth, a foundation that does not exist on this earth, as you trust that no matter what happens here, he is still in control. And everything he says in this book to you and about you remains true no matter what happens in your life on this earth. Here's the big question for us. Will you continue to obey him and follow him even when what is good is gone? As you recognize that who's in charge hasn't changed in your life, are you willing to obey him and follow him and do what he's asking you to do? For some of us in the room, today might be the day that you say, yeah, I'm willing to try it. And it's the very first time that you're going to try this this morning. You've never had a conversation like this with God before. I'd encourage you, even in your own heart and mind, to say, God, I recognize that I can't do it on my own. And I'm sorry for the ways that I have tried to control my life in the past. Would you take charge? I want to follow you. And with words as simple as that, you can start a relationship that begins today and lasts a lifetime. Some of us in this place, we've decided to follow God quite a while ago, but there are places in our lives where what is good is fizzling away and what is good is gone, and we have started to disobey God and walk our own direction in the transition. 
Today, would you be reminded that there is a God who loves you and calls you his own and has your best interest at heart? And would you come back to him and do what it is he's asking you to do? God, would you move in our hearts this morning by your spirit? Speak to us. And in those places where we need to sense your hope, where we need to sense your peace, where we need confidence in you, God, would you move this morning and give it to us? Pray it in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E.org, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at M-T. Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.